Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Good morning, good morning, rise and shine. You're on with the due time with Pastor Steph. How are you this morning? That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you all week? Oh, we started off Monday, shaking the Monday morning blues with the Deep Time crew as we talked about the East Cleveland police officers who were pulling people over and robbing them. Yes, well, they stole a total of $14,780 between the two of them for six months, over a six-month period. And they were sentenced to two years and two and a half years in prison. And we got to talking about just the fact that these cops have really gone buck wild, and no one seems to be doing anything about this from the bench. Yeah. Last week, we talked about the Indianapolis sergeant who committed the crimes and only ended up with a year and a day. Well, the Duke time crew believes that, you know what, at the end of the day, they're not going to have to get very much time because they're not going to need a whole lot of time. By the time the other prisoners get a hold to them, oh, it's going to look nice and ugly. So they don't seem to uh, have to last very long. So why give them a whole long sentence? Well, listen, my thing is, whether that's the truth or not, you know, it's sad that there's really no justice. There's really no justice. Cops seem to be able to do whatever it is they want to do, and they're really not getting any time, a slap on the wrist. And, you know, when you commit a crime as a, you know, regular citizen, you know, you're getting slapped with some time. Not this nonsense that they're doing with our police officers, those who have 
taken up, you know, being a part of the solution, not the problem. So I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully we'll see a turn and there'll be some justice for us as these cops are really doing their damage in these communities. Well, we would not have a proper Monday if we did not get our switch with Shanti. Give your mind to God. We've been talking all week. Somehow, some way, some shape, some form, some fashion about, you know, God leaving us to a reprobate mind. Because that's what's happening here. Yeah. We don't uh, seem to be knowing what we're doing from one moment to the next. I talked about the police officers and, you know, it's just our minds. Our minds are really in the toilet. We really don't seem to be functioning very well. And the fact of the matter is, you know, we're really seeing evidence of what happens when our minds are not in the Lord. Yeah, really, really a sad, sad state of affair. We are, I mean, just overwhelmed with mental illness and things like this. And, you know, for those of us who don't have mental illness issues, we very well may end up with mental illness issues because, we are not doing what the Lord is telling us to do. So hopefully we'll see a turn. Well, let's talk about a Tuesday church folk day. Rolled around and we kind of picked up on an old church folk conversation about us giving our, you know, our lives over to the enemy. Yeah, pretty much when you give up your power, you give up your life and decisions to the enemy. You really do. We don't look at it like that, but the fact of the matter is that's what really goes down. So, you know, really we need to make sure that we take the power back that we've been given. We really don't understand and how much power we have from the Lord. You know, the word of God says, if we just speak to the mountain and say, mountain be moved, that mountain is supposed to move out the way. And we don't really exercise the power that we have. You know, so... Oh, we got to take it back, take it back, take it back. And I think we'll see an entire world shift. All right. Well, wow, Wednesday rolled around. And we got some socially conscious news from our girl Vivian as she talked about, uh, (laughs) oh, my goodness gracious, you know, our daycare centers are really going buck wild, as you have been hearing all week about this overdose issue that happened in the Bronx with the fentanyl on the premises 
I, I mean, this has taken up all week as the uh, the daycare center lost a little one because of its negligence in storing fentanyl there where the children's hots are stored. And, you know, you really have to be some real loose individual in the mind when you leave fentanyl on the premises because they have been telling us how toxic and deadly this fentanyl is for years. And for you to use a drug house and a daycare center together, yeah, you need to go to jail for a long time long, long time. Well, the ladies talk about spending time with God and the benefits of spending time with God and the fact that it brings clarity to your mind. Look, here we go. Spending time with God. Whether it's meditating on the word of the Lord, whether it's reading, whether it's in Bible study, whether it's, what do you call it, praying, either, I mean, any of those things, and I mean any of those things, will help to bring clarity to your mind. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Spending time with God will definitely help to shift what's going on in our heads because the Spirit of the Lord can deal with you. So we want to make sure we, we take the time to do that, okay? All right. Well, Therapeutic Thursday rolled around, and we talked about the news story about the teen who got kicked out by her father just because she was 18 and had finished high school. That was it. She wasn't disrespectful, she wasn't misbehaving, but just because he thought she was old enough to just leave the home, leave that nest, and unfortunately she became a victim of sex trafficking by a man she met on some app, and we got to talking here yesterday about, you know, what is a proper time is it is it good to just release your children because they're 18 and have left high school what is a proper time to require a child to pay and contribute toward the household expenses and we got a vast group of answers. Yeah. It was a real interesting group of answers where we had some that said as soon as you get a job, you contribute. One said, you know, your first check. Yep. Got it. But thereafter, you're going to have to pull out some uh, dollars out that paycheck and we had some that said that their parents didn't require them to pay at all. And we had some that said, you know, one that said, you know, it's kind of 
I'll let you throw until. So, you know, you can see that there's no wrong answer necessarily based on the child, the young person. And, you know, what God would have you to do with them. Well, we do know that having them contribute does help them become responsible because when you get out here in this world, you're going to have to put something out here. And sometimes with some children, if you make them think that they don't have to pay at all, then uh, they think that that's the way the world goes. So you know your child. And you know what is best for them. And sometimes we even get that wrong. Sometimes we let children do things and later on you kick yourself. So, again, spending time with God. Let's go back to that. Spending time with God will help you as you deal with each child. Yeah. You know, you have to really go before the Lord so the Lord can tell you how to deal with that particular individual because there is no cookie-cutter answer. You can't treat your child the way other people treat their children or the decisions that they make for their children because you can't even treat your own children the same because everybody's so different. So it was a really good conversation, okay? That's how we spent our week here on a few times. Well, today is Freestyle Friday, and we get to do whatever it is we want to do and talk to the men is what we do, yes. Today is Men's Day over here, and we have some stuff to talk about with our gentlemen, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to go get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Seth is on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, make sure you don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Every week in Canada, two more children are diagnosed and one person dies from cystic fibrosis. There is no cure. Newborn screening for cystic fibrosis is critical to begin early life-saving treatment. Without it, the damage can be irreversible. Raise your voice with mine. Join us at cysticfibrosis.ca. Good morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is Freestyle Friday. Yes. 
The day we get to do whatever it is we want to do. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. We made it. By the grace of God, you may have some scars. You may have come across a few disappointments. You may have been a little down and out, but we made it. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So what we talking about this moment? Well, you know how I like to do the who knew? Well, I got a little piece of information here. It's an older story that our girl, Patty LaBelle, told quite a few years ago. And she talked about how back in the day when she was with the LaBelles, do you remember that? Patty LaBelle and the LaBelles. Patty LaBelle and Bluebell. Yeah, Patty LaBelle been around a long time. You know, Patty might be singing like she's 25. But Patty been around for a minute. And she tells this story of how back in the 60s, there was one iconic, yeah, this name is going to definitely be familiar to you. There was a singer who tried to physically and sexually attack her back in the 60s, y'all. Yeah. Well, Patty wrote a book, Don't Block the Blessings, quite a few years ago. And in the book, she talks about how she was attacked backstage at a theater. So she talks about the fact that she was singing with the group, the Bluebells, and she was backstage at a theater where they were booked to sing with a few other very popular artists. And she said someone came up behind her and he started kissing her on her neck and she said she could smell the liquor on his breath. And she said as she struggled to get herself free, this individual along with his accomplice, started dragging her backwards. And she was kicking and screaming with all her might, uh, just a little beneath being a match for him, actually. And she said next thing she knew, she was in a locked room. And Jackie Wilson started touching her. And she started screaming, but she said nobody could hear her. She said she had nothing to defend her but her voice. She started screaming, 
even louder than she initially started since the initial screams did not render any attention. And she said every bit of her lungs she screamed from. And she said it worked. They ended up backing off. They let her go. And she said she ran as fast as she could toward the light. And she said Gladys Knight was told, she told Gladys Knight about what happened. And Gladys Knight didn't deny when they approached her and asked her about it. She didn't deny the story. She remembered what happened as she was there when Patty went running. And she gave her whatever little help she could. As uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips were also on that tour. And she said just something that she would never forget. And, you know, a lot of these artists have a whole lot of secrets in their arsenal. And she just remembers this so vividly, and this is one of the things that she included in her in her memoirs. So, you know, I don't... She said she didn't, you know, write it to scar him or anything like that. It was just part of her life, part of her memories. So, again, that book is Don't Block the Blessings. So I'm sure she has so many other stories in that book to tell. If she's named the book Don't Block Your Blessings, I'm sure it's filled with a lot of goodies. A lot of goodies. Wow, that's your who knew for this week. Well, you know how I always like to do the the stories and the trivia and stuff like that on a Friday morning. Well, I found a list where they say people were given an opportunity to expose some shocking secrets that they've been hiding from their siblings. And they said, we are in for some kind of shockers. So I haven't read any of these. You know how we do over here on the Z time. If you have a story, you know how to reach me. Make sure you throw me a quick one. This one, I'm waiting to see some of the stories they come up with. Well, what my brother doesn't know, but the guy his girlfriend cheated on him with was me. They are still not together. He never wanted to know who it was, so we never told him. It was only a couple of times that we both felt really guilty after, but he found out about her cheating, and they decided to work on it. Christmas was awkward. Wow. Well, I want to know how guilty did you feel when you went back for seconds. That sounds like it was too, too guilt-ridden. Okay, here's another one. Anytime I need to enter my email address to access public Wi-Fi, website, or something, but don't want 
spam messages. I just put my brother's email. Wow. Wow. How many times I'm in her city and don't tell her? We live two and a half hours apart. I have several friends that live there for work or school. I visit them all the time. I've seen her twice in four years. She just is so egotistical. It's stressful to be around her. Wow. All right. These are secrets that people held from their siblings. I was looking through my brother's phone and found his porn stash. I always had a feeling he was gay, but I knew in this lifetime he never admitted. No judgment here, but I look at him with a very critical eye now every time he spouts his homophobic rhetoric. Well, that, that's not weird. You know, a lot of men, especially men who are gay, they do talk about homosexuals in a you know, certain way to, you know, throw the scent off themselves. Wow. I, 26 female, slept with my brother's new fiancé, oh my goodness, 29 female before they met. Here's the thing. This is normally the kind of thing I wouldn't hide from my brother. We're close. And I wouldn't want to hide something so big from him. I've even spoken to his fiance about it, and she wanted to tell him too. The issue is that I'm not out of my super conservative Christian family. Wow. So not only would she have to tell the fact that she slept with the fiance, but then it would launch the fact that she is gay. Mm. Okay. Let's see what else. I don't hear anything that's, like, really shocking. I spy on their social media after they blocked me from everything and ruined several of my friendships by spreading lies about me. They changed their pronouns, didn't tell me, and then claimed to everyone that I was transphobic. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm still not saying anything that's shocking. You know, if that's the case, then maybe we're just out there. <laughs> then even shocking things are not shocking to us. You know, but I haven't heard anything shocking. They said that these are supposed to be some shocking things. Okay. None of them have a clue where I live, what I do, or about my children. They literally don't even know what I look like anymore. We don't talk. Five years now, since I turned one of my siblings in for inappropriately touching children. They know about my spouse, but as for my kids, they know nothing and they never will. Wow. Wow. She thinks I'm estranged from my father because I'm a lesbian. I'm not. I'm estranged from my... I'm estranged from him because I slept with his girlfriend. Wow. Wow. Okay. None of my three siblings know that my dad had an affair. I was the one that caught him and told my mom. 
I thought I was doing the right thing, but she resented me for it. My mom was always physically abusive with me, but it definitely escalated after that. Wow. I hate his wife. No matter how much I try to like her, everything she does makes me cringe. She's such a narcissist that while she's out working or deployed somewhere, all she does is make oddly sexual TikToks. She won't even bother to call him because of the time difference, despite her being chronically online. Mm. I'm still waiting in here to do shocking stuff. I have a daughter. When I was 17, I got pregnant. My aunt and uncle raised a child who also doesn't know. My parents told my sister what they told everyone else, which was that I would be working at my aunt and uncle's farm for nine months. My sister is extremely religious and very much against premarital sex, so she is 100% never going to find out. How old are you now? That when you were 17, you, you know, you made this error in life, and now they so religious that they can't forgive you for something that happened when you were 17. Because even if you were 17 and you're 25 now, you know, and I, I know that the hardest thing sometimes is for religious people. <laughs> or people of God, quote unquote, to be forgiving. They throw the things back up in your face over and over again. But okay. My closest oldest sister, I four siblings, is two and a half years older than me. I was always very shy and insecure. Whereas I was always very outgoing. When I was nine and she was 11, I sent her a Valentine's card from a secret admirer. And she was going through a really lonely period where she didn't really have any friends. And I wanted to cheer her up. Okay. Well, I was a little disappointed. I thought I was going to hear some juice. And like I said, maybe it's because we're... You know, we're desensitized in a sense. If it ain't really juicy, it's not really a shocker to us. So, I don't know. Maybe you'll find something shocking about those secrets. But I guess for me, the biggest one was the 17-year-old thing. And now her sister is religious. And they're never going to tell her what happened. Well, it's our life. So what? Move on. I'm not holding my child a secret because a sibling. A sibling can't get over life? You know what? You'd be all right. You would be quite all right. Well, what are we talking about from the news? Well, we have this. Sad, sad story, and it's all over the news about the bus that was carrying the high school students from Long Island 
to Pennsylvania to a band camp, and the van ended up rolling over into some type of like a ditch. So they say at least five children were critically injured, but two of the adults of the four were killed. And they say one of the adults, 77, wow, 77 years old, and another one, 43. And, you know, this is some tragedy to happen when school just got started. And there were some of there were two other buses they say that were headed and you know to Pennsylvania and it ended up turning turning back. Or they said five other buses from the school were traveling to the camp and we really lift the families up in prayer. You know, this is something to happen. Again, at the very beginning of the school year, we're not even out of the month of September, and we and we just got started, and you know they're on their way to band camp, and unfortunately they're met with this fate. You know, I'm thinking about a a, a person on a bus, seventy. Seven years old. So already you're, you know, you're giving back. You're giving back to the students and you lose your life. And this is really, I'm going to tell you something, God is still good. This could have really been much more tragic than it was when you look at the pictures of where this bus ended up and how it landed and out of all the people on the bus, those five, there's a total of 40 students and four adults and only seven were really injured. I'm telling you this, I'm sure by now you've seen the pictures of the bus, you've heard about this terrible accident and again let's keep these families lifted in prayer they've got some grief counselors involved and stuff like this but this is not the first accident that's happened since school has started no heard something else actually happening wow Oh, what else are we talking about here? So, I'm going to hold on to that story because that, that one there is a little sick. Boy, okay. A couple of stories here are really sick. Well, let's talk about this one here. And that's this one. I was supposed to talk about this story a couple of weeks ago and somehow or another it fell through the cracks. This has been going on for a minute now. So there's this student, African-American student, 
on our side of the fence, as I like to say. So he's in Texas, and there's this issue in Texas where there are some rules that have been set regarding the children's grooming. And they have a rule that says that a male student's hair should not extend at any time below the eyebrows or below the earlobes. So, you know, when I, I told you, I read this like a couple of weeks ago, so I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, well, below the eyebrows is definitely on the other side of the fence because we don't wear our hair. Males don't wear their hair like a bang. And below the earlobes is definitely for our side of the fence. say why there's been this grooming issue. If they've had this long time problem, they didn't say it two weeks ago and I was looking in this article here to see why they were you know, enacting this. Well, they've been having a problem with this because Recently, they have had this Crown Act law enacted. So it's a law prohibiting discrimination based on someone's hair texture or protective hairstyle, such as locks and braids. Now, they've been after this for a while because there's no way in the world that they can have this Crown Act, C-R-O-W-N, in all caps, if this had not been an issue before. So the same week, this issue, I'm sorry, this law went into effect, there was this issue at the school with this young man. So they say that he showed up to school with his hair locked. Now, he's never worn the locks down. The locks have always been intertwined and back in a ponytail or been intertwined like you know how when okay so you know when you wear your dreads and you see them have it parted and then they take and they gather those into like a braid so like one big coral out of the locks and they were kind of tucked or pinned well he got to school and they told him he had violated the school dress code and he was suspended and they told him to come back to school on that Monday and then when he got back to school was suspended again for more than two weeks because it still violated the rules 
so he and his family have been going back and forth with this. Now, the biggest issue is they've already pushed the law. So who does the law cover? Again, the law says this Crown Act, I want to read it, says that it prohibits discrimination based on one's hair texture or protective hairstyle, such as locks and braids. So I guess they figure that you can have your protective hairstyle, your locks and your braids, as long as it doesn't violate of it either going below your eyebrows or being longer than your earlobes. Well, my thing is, if it's already tucked, then what's the big deal? If it's back in a ponytail, it's neat. Now, if you had them dangling, you know, like some do, that would be a different story. And I'm not saying they should, you know, stop them from wearing it. I'm just saying it would be a whole different issue because then show the violation. But I guess they figure even if it's back in a ponytail, it would be below the earlobe. But if it's top, then it's below the earlobe, but it doesn't show. But I don't know. He's still not in school. Every time he returns to school, they put him back out. And my thing is, are you really going to make this an issue where this young man can't go to school? Now, they wanted to put him in an alternative school, what we call an alternative school. So the parents are fighting it. The family's fighting it. And he's 17, so if they, in Texas, if their rules for alternative school students are the same as our rules here in New York, at 17, you can go to an alternative school. So if he's 17, which it says he is, he's eligible to go to an alternative school. But are you going to put a child in alternative school for that? Because now they, they are not having any problems with his schoolwork, with his behavior, with his attitude, nothing. Nothing. They have no complaint. Nothing. And he cannot go to school because of his hair. Man, talk about freedom. When you get freedom in your life, man, ain't nothing like it. Because I can't imagine... You know, your biggest gripe with these kids is a hairstyle. So I, I don't understand. All righty. Let's see what's going on here. You know, speaking of wayward teams, you have this Las Vegas team who was mouthing off when he got arrested. So they say he intentionally struck and killed 
a retired police chief in Las Vegas. He's 17 years old, well, he was 17 years old, 17 years old at the time. He showed no remorse while being taken into custody. And he told them he was only going to get a slap on the wrist and he would be out in hours after they arrested him. Well, now he's 18 years old. He faces 18 counts, including murder. He has a lengthy criminal history in the juvenile system. Surprise, surprise, surprise. He says, they say that this is what he said. You think this juvenile blankety blank is going to do some blankety-blank? I'll be out in 30 days, I'll bet you. I'll just uh, blankety-blank. I guess that's all I did was a hit-and-run. All I'm going to give is a slap on the wrist. That's what he told them. Well, they say that they took a video off his cell phone, and they found that he had struck or someone had struck this 64-year-old and it was him and another individual, another individual. And he did the recording. And now they have that against him as well. They say that they must belong to some kind of a gang. They mention like a gang's name. But they say in the video, they say they sat, they hear a sound of a car horn along with someone saying, bump him repeatedly. And they say a cyclist riding on the far right side of the street can be seen wearing an orange shirt. And both suspects are heard laughing along with the sound of an engine explosion. Accelerating, and that was a 72-year-old man they were attacking, but thank God he survived. So they have several, several of these hit runs that they are charging these teens with, and that's when they went to arrest him. And he told them that he would be out in 30 days. Well, it doesn't look like he's going to be out in somebody 30 days, that's for sure. Because they're saying that 16 or 17 years old, they are automatically moving them from juvenile to adult. They're moving them quickly because of the intent, because it was a game, because it was something that they intended to do. They intended to do damage. So now they're going to face the piper. So I guess 30 days will be something else. But it won't be him walking, that's for sure. Oh, boy. Mm-mm-mm. You have this woman in Indiana Talk about mentally ill. You have this woman in Indiana. 
she's 32 years old. Oh, boy, I tell you. So somehow or another, she and her family were in the days in motel, hotel, whatever they call it. And they went to a fast food restaurant and bought, and she bought a chicken sandwich from Burger King. That's where they went. They brought it back to the hotel and somehow the way she went to put the, now listen, listen to me, they're in a hotel room. They're in the days in hotel room. They're in the hotel room, she puts her chicken sandwich down, and her pit bull dog sandwich and eats the sandwich. She's angry, starts chasing the dog with a knife around the room. And the dog jumps up on the bed where her niece was lying. And she stabbed, or she went to stab the dog and mistakenly stabbed the one-year-old child in the neck. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. I used to have a boss who used to say that, and I never understood what he meant. But you can't make this stuff up. First of all, let, let, let's talk about what we're talking about here. <laughs> You're in a days in, let's say, hotel. First of all, how large are these hotel rooms that you would have to chase the dog around the room? Chase it where? The room ain't big enough for you to chase. And most rooms, there's the beds of platform beds, so the door can't go underneath the bed. You brought your you brought your pit bull to the hotel. I don't understand these people that everywhere they go, the dog's got to go with them. I, I I don't understand. You go to stab the dog and miss the dog and stab the baby in her neck. Well, Grandpa wants the book thrown at her literally. That's what he said. He said because it was reckless, careless, she should have known better. And lo and behold, because the first thing I thought, they said that she has had problems with drug and alcohol addiction, illness issues, and they say they wish the city would assist those in need instead of simply cycling them in and out of jail. Now, she's an adult. It's only so much they can do. When she went to jail before, did anybody ever tell them that she was struggling with mental illness issues? Most times when these people go into the system, nobody tells them that. And even if you tell them that, they're an adult. So when you say 
years. What I mean, how many years are we talking about here? And if if she's been struggling with drugs and alcohol addiction for years, yeah, this has been something that's masked because of the alcoholism, because of the drug abuse. So they're charging her with a low-level felony that carries a punishment of six months to two and a half years behind bars. Yeah. Well, that's the recklessness we're talking about. Reckless, reckless, and reckless. Oh, boy. All right, let me get one more story in. There's one more story that I want to make sure I include. So you get this Portland mom who gets 30 days for waterboarding her baby and putting the baby in a freezer. Now, there's a reason why I'm telling you this story, because I don't just tell these stories because they're just annoying. But the Day McDonald, 30 years old, she pled guilty to criminal mistreatment, ID theft, and tampering with the witness after police showed up after her at her Oregon apartment. So here's the deal. They said when the police got to the door, they could hear the mama yelling to the father of the child. I'm about to show you real quick. You don't want them? Let me show you about this little blankety-blank baby. I don't blankety-blank give a blankety-blank about. She's mama talking to the father. So she explains to the police when they finally get in, they see her holding the child in a wrapped blanket. She tells them that she wasn't trying to do the child any harm. She wasn't trying to hurt the child, and she wasn't trying to kill the child by drowning the child or putting him in the freezer. They say there were pictures of her waterboarding the child. I'm still trying to figure out what this is. They say she was holding the baby in the picture by his onesie. And it says it looks like the baby was trying to hold his breath while the, oh, okay. Okay, now I get it because I read this part, but it didn't didn't click. While water was pouring over his face. Oh, my God. You know what this means? You ever see on the movies when they're trying to get some information from somebody and they hold a person's head either back or they put a bag over the head and they pour the water? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I'm saying, oh, my God. In one picture, one of the officers saw, they say she was holding the baby by the onesie, but at the downward angle where his hip, legs, and feet were higher than his head, upside down, with water running over his face. And the only place the water could go was in his nose at that angle. And they say while the officer was taking her to jail, she said that her actions were done as a test 
to see if he gave a blankety blank at all, talking about the father. And she says that her actions were done out of spite. So, because you mad at him and want to see if the father cares about the baby, to the poor child. So the baby becomes a test dummy to see if the father really cares about the baby. <sighs> Let me talk to my man, to his D-Town crew, because these people have lost their minds. Good morning, Brother Al. Oh, getting somewhere quiet. Hold on, let me move to the exit. Let me move to the exit. Right, here we go. Good morning, good morning. Chop of the morning. Chop of the morning. Hey, Brother Al. Brother Al. You know, this, we went over quite a few news stories this morning. Well, one of the news stories that we went over was, well, we started off with talking about some things that people did with their siblings. And I'm going to come back to that one. As I'm looking here, I think I'm going to come back to that. I think I'm going to come back to that one. I think I'm going to come back to that one. All right. Let me, let me go to some of these other dumb, dumb stories. Well, listen, there's a, a kid who's in Texas, a black young man who, and you may have heard the story before. Well, they're suspending him repeatedly because the there's a rule that says that males can't wear their hair longer than their eyebrow or longer than their earlobes. So like I said earlier, longer than the eyebrow is clearly, clearly on the other side of the fence. Longer than the earlobe is, is, would be for us. They are suspecting him even though there has been an act that's been passed that prohibits the discrimination based on your hair texture or protective hairstyle such as locks and braids. And they're trying to force him into an alternative school being that he's 17 years old. What do you think about this? I think it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, it's like they try to put in and enforce rules when, you know, especially against homicide defense, you know. It, it's, it's ridiculous. He has his hair, and so what? He's not bothering nobody. He's not causing an issue. You know, that reminds me of a story of the guy who was a wrestler. I think we covered that. He was a wrestler. He was a pop wrestler, beating everybody. And he had dreads in his hair. He had it pinned up, and the referee would not let him fight. He had to cut his hair right then and there in order to wrestle or he was going to forfeit the match. He was undefeated. So he just let them cut it. And, you know, his mother was fighting it, but it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's like they try everything in their power to just keep, continue pushing us back. Well, yeah, this, this is a bit much, a bit much. Like I said earlier, you know, there's, they have no problem with him, no, no problem with his schoolwork. No problem with his behavior or attitude. This is the biggest issue 
they can bring up against him is his hair. All right. There is a a woman who they say was in the Days in Hotel. She put a chicken sandwich down from Burger King, and the pit bull ate the chicken sandwich, and she chased the pit bull around the room. The pit bull jumped on the bed where the baby, the one-year-old, was lying down and sleeping, I guess. And when she went to stab the pit bull, she ended up stabbing the baby in the neck. Now, this, the family is saying, they want them to throw the book at her. But they're saying that they really wish that the, what do you call it, the, 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 I guess when they get locked up, they're saying, you know, all they've been doing is shifting and shuffling her around, opposed to getting her some real help. And she's 32 years old. They say she's been in and out of trouble for years. She's been battling drug addiction and alcohol addiction for years. And they want they want them to do something about her. What do you think about that? You know, them shuffling her around for all these years and they haven't really done anything for her, the claim is. Well, well first of all, that must have been a really good chicken sandwich. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> and, and, but, here, but here's the crazy thing. Okay, so we know we know the animal don't have hands. He got paws. So obviously the chicken sandwich is in his mouth. So now when you catch him, was you going to take the chicken sandwich and eat it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's done. It's in the animal's mouth. Then you get so violent, you're trying to stab the dog and you stab the baby. But here's the crazy thing. If she would have got to that dog and stabbed the dog, they would have threw the book at her. Because you do something to an animal, they come and fight you. So they do oh, need yeah. to lock her up. They, they do need to lock her up. But also, and the thing of lock up is getting help. And I think that's where we you know, where they drop the ball. Yes, that person needs to be up the street. person got a history of violence and everything, but you know what? Also, while they're in lockup, they should be getting help. So when they get out, they don't do the same thing because you put them in prison and you don't give them no help, they're going to come out and be repeat offenders. And that's why we have repeat offenders. But again, I guess that chicken sounds meant anything. <laughs> And like you said, the dog yeah. put it in his mouth and you gonna eat behind the dog, like you know, so yeah, they need to get her in one place and also give her help. Now, brother Al, when she goes to jail, they say she's been in it, she's been battling drug addiction and alcoholism for years, that she has mental illness for years. Now you don't tell these people when you get arrested, I have mental illness issues. They wouldn't know. Right. If she goes in and she has drug abuse issues or she has um, uh, alcoholism, you know, issues, they don't know this. How would they possibly treat her if she doesn't go in saying, I have mental illness problems? People don't talk about that kind of stuff. So how do now the 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 how does the system now become responsible? And I'm asking, 
how do they now become responsible for something that they don't know? Yeah, you're 100% right. So I'm, I'm thinking that when they arrested her and they go to fingerprint and they pull up the record, it should come up on, it should come up on her record. But like you said, some people, how many people will be like, okay, you arrested me. Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm crazy. <laughs> you know, so I think once they get them down to the precinct and pull up the record, it should be on there because you're saying, okay, she's a repeat offender, she's violent, she got mental issues. Okay, so we got to, now we know how to deal with this person. So it should come up on the record. This was ever exposed. It's never told. If, if nobody ever told it, then it ain't in no record. So it don't matter how many times they arrest her. If then, if she's 32 years old, she didn't go in there telling them people she's no, 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 she has mental illness. I don't believe she told it. If she's got drug abuse issues, if right. she's got alcoholism issues, you know what I'm saying? When they, when they arrested her, she probably was on drugs or she was drunk. She's not telling them. She's not telling them. And you know what? If the family doesn't alert her attorney, because you know if they told that attorney, their attorney would definitely raise that flag because that's one of the ways he or she's going to get the client off. You know what I'm saying? So, you right, know, right. I, I think that it's they the family's responsibility. Right. It's the family's responsibility of telling, you know, well, she's young, but, you know, here's the issue. you got to get to the to the attorney so that the attorney can bring this to the system's awareness. So I don't, I don't think you know, she's I, I don't think... Right. Yeah, and you 100% right because, like you said, nobody knows, but now when this person commit a violent crime, now you want to bring it up. Right. Oh, by the way, she right. Up. Like, it needs right. to be known from the beginning. Like you said, everybody knows so they know how to handle this other lady, you know, and, and, you know, they dropped the ball on that. They, they need to change the system. They really need to. Now, I'm going to add this little piece to it before I move on that the mother of the child was in the room who watched this whole thing happen. She watched the whole thing. Yeah, she was there. Mama was there. In the room, in the hotel room with the pit bull, with the baby, with the sister, with the knife, the whole nine yards. That's crazy. Mama was there. Mama should have been like, look, I'll get you another salmon. Don't worry, I'll get you another salmon. Let it be. This is, this, is, this is what I'm saying. But now the family is the one who's saying they, they blame the system because they wish the system would address these issues while she's locked up. Let me tell you something. I am not going to be in no days in hotel, brother Al, with a pit bull. Crazy sister and a knife. Those three things there alone. The recipe for disaster. No, thank you. You no. and me both. Y'all stop raising the flag. <laughs> no, brother Alan, won't be me. Won't be me. Let's talk to Pastor KL and see what he has to say about this stuff. Good morning, Pastor KL. Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you? Well, thank you. I am well. We've got this uh, situation here. 
with the young man who they are targeting because he has his hair in violation. His hairstyle is in violation of the dress code. No hair for the males. No hair longer than your eyebrow or longer than your earlobe. They continually suspend him. Each time he comes back from the suspension, they suspend him again because they're expecting him to come back with his haircut, and he's not. What's going on here? I think that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, as long as I'm not being a nuisance, as long as I'm not stopping other folks from learning, you know, as, as long as, as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, you know, um, in the classroom, it shouldn't matter what, what my hair looks like. I'm not coming to, to school naked. Listen, we, we got some of these young ladies that come to school naked, and they still can stay in the, in the class. I mean, my, my hair shouldn't really, really matter. Yeah, and and it's definitely something that the family is, they're not budging either. They're not budging either. It's coming on the heels of this Crown Act. And I I am going to follow this because I'm I'm really interested in seeing how all of this is going to play out because this is is ridiculous. You're wasting money. You're wasting child's time. You're wasting his life. He should be learning. But he can't learn because he keeps getting kicked out of school. All right. right. Pastor Taylor, we're talking about the situation with the woman in the hotel room with the dog, the knife, the chicken sandwich, the baby, her sister. She's chasing the dog around the room. Goes to stab the dog and the dog she misses the dog and stabs the baby in the neck. Family wants the book thrown at her, but also wants the system care of the mentally ill and stop shuffling them around. Does the family take some ownership here? The family takes a lot of ownership there. I mean, listen, if you send me to jail one time, I'm mentally ill. Just going to jail makes me mentally ill. You know, just one time having to be able to do it, do it, all that stuff. But but if she had a history of all different kind of things, then why do we continue to wait till she gets to jail? Why why do we not go to someone and say, hey, this is what, what we need to do. This is what I think, you know, I'm not the professional here, but this can't be normal. You know, now we wait till it gets to the extreme where someone gets hurt. Not only that, listen. I don't understand the people who take their dogs, let alone a pit bull, on vacation. Oh. What kind of what kind of vacation are you having when you gotta walk the dog and you gotta do all this? You ain't you can't go to Coney Island. You can't get no get on no rides with no dog. We ain't going to Disney with the dog. Where are we where are we going with the dog? How does the dog become so close to the family that now? Wait 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 wait. And now the, 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 the dog is family, but you're trying to kill the dog. You're mad enough to kill your family member that had to come on the trip. I, 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 don't, I don't understand that. What kind of love is that? Yep. <laughs> you know, Pastor K.L., when I read this story, first of all, I had a problem 
with you telling me it was a days in hotel. First of all, a days in hotel is not big enough for me, you and the baby. Barely big enough for us. Now you have a dog. Add to that it gold dog. Okay, how big or small it is, but now this type of dog you're taking on a trip. So already recipe for disaster. You again have this pit bull around this one-year-old child. That's the next gamble that's going on, that the dog does not turn on the baby. Now, mama is in the room. Mama is there. The mother of the one-year-old daughter is there, the sister. She tells the story. You know, what happens? And I'm saying to myself, well, when all this chasing was going on, well, where were you? Because, see, when you started chasing the dog with the knife, why is my baby still left laying down on the bed, Pastor KL and Brother Al? I'm watching you, quote, unquote, chase the baby around. But I'm going to leave the baby on the bed? Well, well, where was the mother in the closet? Is the mama in the closet? Because, listen. First of all, in a day's end, you already, we already know that you cheat. Because for all them people to be in one room, you trying to save some money. That's one thing. The second thing is, if the child is running after the dog, the child is hitting somebody. It's running into somebody, yeah. running into the bed. The dog is running yeah. into the bed, running into somebody. Yeah. Now the yeah. woman is getting up with a knife. She's knocking everybody down. At no point can nobody stop this woman, or are they all just running away from the night. <laughs> in a, in, in a one room. Yes. Oh, my God. And they all sleeping on one bed. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, she might as well went to the economy in. She needed the economy in. The day thing was not working. problem with this story and I'm saying to myself, y'all want to blame who? Who are you blaming? You wanna, now, now, you want to blame the system who's manning thousands people, but you can't man a, a days in hotel room and it's just three human beings in the room. You can't man that, but the system should man thousands. Go sit down somewhere. Go sit down somewhere now. Go sit down somewhere because y'all sound stupid. Why is the system letting the people, you know, they just shif- shuffling them around, you know, over and over again? Y'all can't, y'all can't even determine whether you should have her in a room with a with a pit bull dog and a one year old. I I just could not. I could not figure this one out. And I'm like, I need to let my D-Town crew help me work this one out. Well, we just, y'all just as probably as I am. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, I want to, I want to shift gears a little bit. I, earlier in the, in the morning, 
of our, of, of, you know, I always do this little trivia thing or different topics. And this morning, I was talking about secrets that people have said that they have held from their siblings. And one of the secrets, it says, I have a daughter. I have a daughter. When I was 17, I got pregnant. My aunt and uncle raised a child who also doesn't know. So they must be talking about the child doesn't know that she's the mama. My parents told my sister what they told everyone else, which was, that I would be working at my aunt and uncle's farm for nine months. My sister is extremely religious and very much against premarital sex. So she is 100% never going to find out. Now, neither one of you were on when I read this earlier. So I'm not going to comment. I'm going to listen for your comments. Brother Al, what, what, what's your thought when you hear this here? Oh, can you can you go to K? I'm so sorry, I, I missed the story. I had to watch this kid up there. Okay, Pastor K. L. What's your thought here? The mute button, Pastor K. L. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so we're talking about what's, what's my thought about whether she agrees to premarital sex and because she doesn't know the child belongs to the other girl? Uh, how, how, whatever your thoughts are in this entire <laughs> scenario. I, I, I think that, again, the, the, the child is the innocent one. So I, 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 don't, I don't understand why you're taking it out on the child. You know, I mean that 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 shouldn't that shouldn't be an issue. You know, and if you so religious, you know, then then you should understand that that you know we should be kind or we should nurture the child. The child got his own issues already coming into the world. So so now we're gonna stand off. We're gonna be standoffish because of what we feel. The 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 do is already done, if you will. So what do we do now? Just ostracize the child because of? No, I don't. I don't think that's right. So I'm gonna read this again because I think you missed some things, and Brother Al says he missed it. So hopefully he'll catch okay. it this go round. Okay. So the premise here's, here's the whole premise. The premise okay. is people who have held, who are holding secrets or who have ever held secrets from their siblings. So they're telling these secrets that they've held from the siblings. So this particular girl, woman, is saying that she has a daughter. She says, I have a daughter. When I was 17, I got pregnant. My aunt and uncle raised a child who also doesn't know. So the, the, the daughter, who she had at 17, doesn't know that she's the mama because the aunt and uncle raised the child. She says, my parents told my sister what they told everyone else, which was 
that I would be working at my aunt and uncle for nine months. My sister is extremely religious and very much against premarital sex. So she is 100% never going to find out. So I don't know how old she is because it doesn't say, well, I'm 31 years old now, I'm 18 years old now, doesn't say, but clearly the child is old enough to be able to believe that auntie and uncle, great auntie and uncle, are her parents. Right, right. So so I I, I guess my question would be, then what what do they say to, to the aunt and uncle? Do they tell the aunt and uncle what child it is? I mean, does the aunt and uncle know what child it is? Oh, okay, okay. I just thought, you know, they would make it from the start. (laughs) (laughs) No. They sent, when she got pregnant, they sent her, her parents, sent her to the the aunt and uncle. So the aunt, oh, they send them to the aunt. Okay, okay, they, okay, they send them to the aunt. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, the I'm understanding that. The, the, the sister doesn't know. The sister is so religious now. I would never they don't tell want, her that that they don't want to tell her. Seventeen years old, but the sister, yes, uh, you know. Yeah, but you know what? And, and, and so, so. So at this point, I mean, and, and now that I understand the story, what if you're so religious? Where's where's the forgiving? You know what I mean? Where 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 where's, where's the compassion? You know where where's where's the love in all of this? You know, it's as I said, the the do is done. You know, I should be able to at some point tell my sister, hey, listen, you know, I I might have dropped the ball, but look what I got. I got a blessing out of it. You know, it it didn't it didn't go how we thought it should have went, you know, how, how we were raised. However, this is what happened. And this is your niece, you know, and, and, and I kind of want you to, to embrace her because you're important to me. So I want you to be important to her or him or whatever it is. Okay. I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave that there. Brother Al, are you available? Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. Okay. Yeah, so, um, so here's the story. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy because, um, you know, it's so funny because it sounds like one of those Tyler Perry movies, and that was an issue where the girl was getting married and she found out, you know, as I'm listening to the story. But, again, she said, I don't want to tell them because they're so religious. You know, it, it's, it's like Pastor Carroll said, what about forgiveness and who are you to judge? You shouldn't be judging anybody. So, man, that's, that's crazy. I don't even care what you think. And listen, it happened. I made a mistake when I was younger. And this is what it is. This is your niece. You either you want to be a part of life, fine. If you don't, I can't help you on that. But it's like she's so scared to let her sister know. You know, it's like she's so terrified. Like, oh, I can't tell my sister because she's so religious. And, and then the child needs to know because it's going to come out. Oh, it's going to come out. Right. One of them later, it's right. going to come out. Right, right, right. And that that was my thought. That's why I said I was going to hold off speaking until, you know, we gave you an opportunity to speak for that. Because my thing is, 
Okay, so you got two issues going on here. You have the issue of y'all are holding the secret from the sister who's judgmental or who you think so religious that you can tell this to. But the child, the child also doesn't know that the aunt and uncle really the aunt and uncle and not the parents. How do we let, oh, I don't understand this here. How do we let these lies go on where it's one thing for you to raise her? Because clearly the parent or the parents who sent you away to aunt and uncle's farm, clearly either they had no interest in raising or they could not for whatever the reason is, whether it was financial or whatever the situation is. They couldn't raise the child. So here you now have this issue of the, the child is being raised by aunt and uncle who you're lying and telling her that this is the parent. At what point, like you said, Brother Al, do you say your great aunt and great uncle, they're my aunt and uncle, but I'm your mother? How long do you live this life? I, I don't. I don't understand it at all. It's one thing if you have to, if they have to raise the child, you you, you couldn't do it. Plain and simple as that. You just couldn't raise the child. It's not though. It's, it's not the worst thing in the world, and it's not the greatest thing in the world. But how old you are now? Even if you're twenty, you still looking at this child every day. Grab her now. And then also, too, you think about okay, that okay, the girl said she was seventeen when she had when she had the kid. So also, too, were were her parents embarrassed that hey, my young daughter had had a baby, you know, she had a baby so young, and, right. and they was embarrassed right. and said, you know what, maybe let somebody else raise them because you know we portray we all that. I can't let nobody know my daughter was out right. there. Right. So that could have been an issue too. Right. Right. You're very you're very well correct where they sent her off. <laughs> but it's funny the way she words it because she said they they told the sister the same thing they told everyone else, that she was going to help on the farm for nine months. <laughs> Do the math. You'll figure it out. Oh, they sent her back and she comes back to have a child. So you think that all she did was go away and work. But... You know, we talked about one of the first things that came up that I brought up earlier was, yeah, where is the forgiveness? Are we living in this world, in this Christian world, where we're hiding? We're living in this Christian world where we're not even forgiving, and you can't even, you don't even feel like you could tell her now that, you have a child. I would be worrying about my sibling. Are you worrying so much about a sibling not forgiving you? And and then also she assumes if you don't if you don't see the same okay she's super religious she may uh, actually she may not she she may not act that way. But, but you know what, and, and I think 
I think Brother Al hit it on the head. Depending on on your age bracket or, or depending on the timing of this stuff, if if, if the sister is religious, the, it could be that the family is religious as well. The sister just supersedes the religion. And and back back in those days, you wasn't bringing your, your daughter in church pregnant. That just wasn't happening. That that was that was a stain on the family. That you know, it was more than embarrassment. It was a stain. You know, right. how dare you shout right. in my church? Right. How dare you pray in my church? Right. How dare you right. preach in my church and hear your own child? You know, is coming in here with a belly. You can't. She no longer. Right. She she was shunned from the choir at that point. You know, saying she couldn't be an usher at that point. She couldn't do anything. Yeah. She had to sit down. You know, at, at that point. Yeah. So now I have to send her away as if. You know what I'm saying? She, she's on a journey or as if she's right. going to school or as if she's doing something. Right. So, you know, back in the days, right. you know, now you come to church fat and pregnant, you know, and we say, well, it just happened. You know, God will provide. You know, that's the answer for that. But back in the days, it wasn't no, it just happened. God will provide. They, they shunned you and they talked about you. And that was a, right. you know, you were a, a bad family. You, you wasn't as religious right. as you thought you were. You didn't really know right, God, right, you know right. what I mean? Because God would not allow this to happen. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? If, yeah. if you were that in tune with God. And, you know, I, I can see the issue. And, again, it depending on the era of this thing. Now, yeah, I mean, you, you do what you want to do. But back then, you didn't, you didn't do that. And you had to come up with something creative to say on why we don't see Sally right. anymore. Right, right. You're absolutely right. You know, I remember back in the day, Pastor Kale, where the whole family had to sometimes switch churches because, like you said, they could not go up in their own their church, you know, with the baby now pregnant because now the whole family looks bad, and you know, now the, the the environment and the aura is completely different. They may talk about you, but you know how many times can we really be held accountable for the children? You know, there are some people who, you know, work hard, and yet the children still do what they want to do. We've seen that. Other times we've seen the negligence. And it ain't no surprise how so-and-so popped up like this or how so-and-so ended up being so reckless that they got so-and-so pregnant. And that's why my question came up, and I thought the same thing Brother Al thought. I'm like, well, how do you know how she would even respond? Really giving her an opportunity, even here. But my, you know, the first thing is, have you, you, you're still saying that this child does not know. Back in the day, absolutely. Now, the stuff that that goes on now. I mean, how many things really shock us now? You know, what do you do now when the child comes? And somebody drops the bomb that Mary is and, and Uncle Joe are not your parents, but they're your aunt and uncle. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? You now have to pick up the pieces. Brother Al, how do you help your child pick up the pieces after something like this? I'm sorry, say that again? I said, how do you help your child pick up the pieces after something like this? Oh, man, that's a big case for therapy. 
I mean, you know, you we we have to get that child some help because that child mind gonna be racing like, wow, okay, I thought these were my parents, but they're not my parents. They're actually my uncle and aunt, and I'm thinking this was my cousin, but this is my mother. You know, that that's a lot on that child. So I think one of the biggest things is is getting therapy and and helping them through. Mm. Pastor KL, how do you help a child through this when you have, when when the child something like this that they're facing? Well, I I think you know first first of all, you know you have to pray. You know that that has to be the the, the top of the the whole order. You have to pray and allow God to, to give you what to say. You know how to say it. Um, where to say it, you know, because you got to have that honest conversation. You know, you really, really, really do. You can't, at this point, you can't sugarcoat it. You know, um, you, you got to let them know what happened. You know, I, this is what happened. I, you know, I've made some, some decisions in my life that wasn't right. However, since you, since you arrived, I, I don't regret it. You know, you, you got to premise all that stuff, you know, but, but from, from our family, from, from our era, you know, we didn't do this, and this is the only way I, we, we can keep you. You, you. you know what I mean? And and, and now I want to move forward, and I, I I need you to know I'm your mother, and, and I need you to know that, that I, I never wanted to, to get rid of you. I never, you, you was not a throwaway. It just seemingly there was no other way out. Ah, nice, nice, uh. Nice conversation. Here's the other thing I wanted to bring up. So you have this trepidation that this religious sister will have issue with the fact that you've done this in, you know, back when you were 17. Now, this puts pressure, I'm going to use that terminology, on the app. Does it put pressure? Let me put it like that. Does it put pressure, Brother Al, on the sister? Sure, she responds a certain way. Are you following me? Yeah, you, you, you're talking about the religious sister. Yeah. Hi, Steph, you there? I've I, I lost that stuff. I, I think I think I think we lost her. Yeah, but I, I think she is talking about the, the religious system. Oh, okay. You too. 